five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. We search the world for marketing news every day. Glad you're with us. Let's get going. Okay, let's get over here to Tom Fishburn. He must have been on vacation last week. But, as usual, here he comes. And he says, it looks like our business is in trouble. Quick, let's quibble endlessly about the quality of the data and how it's sourced. Okay, so, you know, and what he's speaking to is, is that if you don't, you know, if you don't want to take action, let's let's fight about the data. But also, you know, I, I ask young people when I work for clients, which is, this is a lot of what I do, is ask them about their own data and see if they know anything. And when I work with them, you know, I ask them, what do you think we did? You know, I remember business before com computers. Can you imagine? I mean, you know, I one of my first talks I gave was at the New York Hilton on the Avenue of the Americas up there. And uh, I asked for a for big monitor so I could present from my computer. And they said, why would you want to present from a computer? You know, because everybody was using slides. And I said, well, it's kind of an interactive thing. We're going to talk about using computers in marketing. And uh, the room was packed, and um, it was supposed to be roundtables. We were supposed to discuss how we are all using computers in marketing. And I had some, um, I call them sensitivity analysis spreadsheets and break-even analysis and stuff. that I just They were just spreadsheets. And uh, so I asked how many people were... We're using computers in their marketing department. And no hands went up. Uh, I said, how many have a computer? And two hands went up. And so I said, well, okay, I'll just present what I'm doing. And um, I did that, those kinds of presentations for a, a number of years. And then I would get calls from, from companies like Daytimers or, or um, the Hudson Bay Company or, you know, billion-dollar companies saying, you know, could you come in and help us understand our data? Uh, and, uh, that's really how I got started in data. My background was creative, uh, actually, <laughs> you know, photography and copywriting and stuff like that, graphic design. But anyway, <coughs> Fishburn says only a third of businesses trust their data enough to use it effectively. Only 27% reported that their data and analytics produce insights and recommendations that are highly actionable. And that's the first problem is most people don't know how they don't know what matters to take action. And uh, so when I ask young people why or what, how do we run, how do we run businesses? I mean, businesses have been running for thousands of years. How do we run businesses before computers? And they look at me blankly, you know, blankly. And I said, well, we focused on the important information. We focused on the important information. And I don't see that today. You know, it's it reminds me of when calculators first came out. And, uh, you know, people would have get a big kick out of out of figuring out to the eighth decimal point an answer because you could just see it on there. There's, it's pointless. You don't even have measurement that goes out to more than one digit, probably. And in fact, when I was. Before I was in direct marketing, I was in measurement and control, uh, industrial measurement and control. And 
one of the vendors came in one time and, and, and it was a huge box and it was for measuring the flow of big sewage pipes and stuff. And I said, you know, you've only got like, you know, you've only got the flow per second or whatever it is, so many feet per second. It was like two or three or four feet per second. <laughs> I said, you know, most of the people who come in here have all these, you know, extra digits. So they said, well, the problem is, is that when you're looking at the flow of a big, you know, three foot in diameter pipe, you can't control that anyway. <laughs> they said, and what we found was, I mean, we can give them the, the digits, but, you know, people were, the target was five feet per second or whatever it was. And they would, you know, they would be trying to control a valve that was a football field away from this monitor and trying to, you know, it's like it's like in the shower, you know, when it's too cold and you hit the hot a little bit, it takes a little minute or it's, well, at one t at one old hotel in New Orleans, it took about a minute. And and, you know, all of a sudden it goes from really cold and then it gets too hot and then you turn it down and it goes back to really cold again, you know, and there's a lag time. And, and they said, you know, we had plant managers all day trying to get it to 5.0. And it was at five point, you know, oh seven or something, <clears throat> and it was going up and down, and it was always moving. And I find that a lot, a lot of digital, a lot of digital data is ridiculously stupid. Uh, you see surveys of of two hundred people, and they're talking about three digits or something of 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 uh, the survey results. It's meaningless. So focus on the first point is focus on the meaningful. And the important, start with that. The rest can be fun, but you know, I remember talking to a to a um, a car company, and they 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 wanted to run a test in Seattle or someplace, and they asked me to uh, look in their data because they had given me their data, and and you know, at I don't remember what how many customers they had or how many customers they had for Chevrolet versus Oldsmobile or something. And as soon as I gave them that answer, then they wanted it by model. And, but there weren't, there were only, you know, there was, wasn't very many. Uh, as you got smaller and smaller and smaller, it gets silly. And uh, when we do modeling, we don't, we don't even work. You know, everybody wants it at the household level. We want, we want a model for each household. It doesn't work. It's all noise. Because uh, one response can, you know, affect a whole, a whole neighborhood or a whole metro area. Um, one time for in fishermen, we were doing prospect modeling the old fashioned way just to see what would happen. And we said, okay, well, what's the best at this point we were doing zip code level. There were, there were, a, it was a mailing of a half a million. So we thought zip code would work. Uh, and, uh, well, what's the number one zip code in the country? And it was somebody in Arizona and, um, in fishermen was primarily Midwestern circulation somebody in arizona had gotten one mailing piece in the zip code the whole zip code only got mailed one mailing piece which was not uncommon and placed two and bought two subscriptions and so that was the number one but it's not repeatable it's just it's just happenstance you know find all the zip codes just like that in what sense and you'll have a great mailing no you won't it won't work at all anyway so first is Focus on the important, highly actionable. Uh, Fishburne says there's a widening chasm between the amount of data and the value derived from it, right? And part of that's because 
the more data you have, the the greater the 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 positive correlations. It's called spurious correlations. There's a great website called spurious correlations, and they just dump data into it, and they'll let you, you know, they'll let you choose from like a hundred different variables, like the amount of oil exported by Scandinavian countries, and see what correlates with it, and it'll be the the number of three-wheel vehicle deaths in California or something, you know, and that, and it'll be a huge, perfect correlation by year. It's just, it's a fun, it's a fun website. Maybe I'll put a link to it, spuriouscorrelations.com. Anyway, some of this data value gap relates to the quality and trustworthiness of the data, right? Like third-party data just doesn't have any quality at all because, you know, your own browsing history has very little to do with, what was I looking up? I was looking up some celebrity's name yesterday, and you know it was it was a it was a female vocalist. <laughs> I don't even remember why I was looking it up, uh, but you know now I'll get promotions for that, either that artist or people who like that artist's what whatever they buy they'll they'll, they'll promote that to me. Doubt if it'll work, <laughs> but anyway, you should see my Pinterest. My daughter borrowed my Pinterest account, which I don't use very much. And they still send me, you, you know, the, here's some posts you might like, and it's wedding dresses. And this was like four years ago. So, you know, a lot of this stuff doesn't make sense. Uh, but also, some of the, the problem comes from how well these teams know how to make sense of the data. It's not trivial. How do you exclude spurious correlations? Not by machine learning, not by a machine on its own. It doesn't know what's spurious and what isn't doesn't know you have to get in front of somebody that knows something somebody with some experience and people don't realize that so there's some real there's some real hurdles um jordan murrow says it's like it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna have self-sufficiency in there in your or self-service with your data team then you better give them the tools so it's no good to take somebody out fishing and not have any rods reels baits or know what you're doing he doesn't include the know what you're doing. When I worked with in fishermen, I boiled all their principles. They have lots of principles of how to fish. And I boiled it down to two of them. One was fish where there are fish. And the other is fish with somebody who knows how to fish. <laughs> they like that, actually. You know. Anyway, uh, it's the same thing with modeling. Same thing with marketing data. Talk to somebody who knows something about how, what the prioritization. You know, talk to your CFO. They'll probably have pretty good ideas of what data really matters. Okay. Uh, Lob survey reinforces the power of direct mail. Finding 85% of consumers regularly read direct mail and, and receive, uh, receive from brands, and 62% have taken action. Which is interesting because back in the, in the 80s when I was learning direct mail, we basically had heard that about 50% of households read their mail, like their mail, you know, and about 50% just throw it out. And so when you, if you rented a compiled list, a list of, say, Chevy owners, let's go back to that beginning metaphor or whatever example, um, about half of them would read the mail and half of them wouldn't. So right off the bat, if you mailed a million pieces, only 500,000 would be, really would be paying any attention. Now it's, they say it's 62% or maybe 85% read their mail, but only 62% have taken action. So it's maybe it's up a little bit, you know, um, it's hard to say, but it again reinforces the point I make often, which is that you're better off 
mailing to people who have taken action. So you're better off mailing to response lists than you are to compile lists. And I see a, a, a you know, I see this this um, consistent trend toward not worrying too much about whether the person is a male-oriented buyer rather than and 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 thinking that the demographics are going to be the whole shebang kind of like when you place an ad on facebook you know you don't you don't know what they're real who's really seeing it but you know you can trust their geo demographics you can trust that this person is interested in beekeeping or interested in in motorcycles or something but do they take action right and so you you really want to especially test one of the most important things to test is the list. And when you test a list, make sure you test some of your compiled names that maybe was the simple or lazy way to find your target market because you came to the you came to your list broker or you came to your printer and said, well, you know, my my audience is 35 to 55 uh, male, uh, high educated, high income. And they and so, oh, yeah, we can get you those names. Okay, well, you might want to have a subselect on which ones actually are mail order buyers. Just a thought. So here's the here's the the state of direct mail. And it's actually quite well done. 62% we already covered. It was 2,000 people, which isn't a huge sample set, but you know, not bad. 72% uh, read their mail immediately. I highlighted it for you, and this is available at wdma.org after the after the presentation here today. 85% uh, read it right away or the next day or sometime later. <laughs> Why don't they just say 85% read their mail and 15% throw it right in the trash. 44% <laughs> agree of the 18 to 34 think mail is a good way to hear from brands. Um, there was a couple of things that were interesting. Um, the biggest response to mail was to go to a website, which is typically the main response device, you know, you, the, the QR code takes you there. But um, younger people were more likely to search on the brand and look up things related to the brand. The younger people are the yellow. Okay, then they made a big deal. They said offers are most important. And 50% regularly pass it along uh, to friends and family. Which we've seen, we've seen even more than that. We've seen a pass-along rate to be as high as, as for every order you get. This isn't just pass-along. This is actually placing orders. For every order you get from your customer file, uh, you get two orders from from pass-along, especially in durable merchandise. We found that. Um, we have a case study on that. This was interesting. Uh, consumers 18 to 34 liked receiving letters more than those 35 plus. And then they say that 54, 35 to 54 were interested in postcards. Well, they weren't really. They felt the same about postcards as they did about letters and about the same as they did about brochures. They just liked postcards more than the other people like postcards. Nobody liked postcards very much. Postcards were the worst thing you could mail. And everybody liked catalogs a lot, right? More than half of the people said they liked looking at catalogs mostly the catalogs that they were already familiar with right but it was interesting that young people almost half said that they liked getting letters and that was higher than brochures or postcards so young people favored 
catalogs. They favored catalogs, but they like letters more than the rest of us who know that mostly the letters are bills and subpoenas and things. <laughs> okay, so it's interesting to, to dig into this. I highlighted the things, but a lot of it's repeat and a lot of it's insignificant differences with 3,000 sample set. Anyway, so people like mail. People still like mail. Um, you know, we've had a few articles in the last few weeks that basically said mail can deliver a, a, a better ROI than digital on a consistent basis. So if you're interested in giving mail a try or even just talking about mail and you're like a .com, uh, give me a call. Happy to talk. I've got a couple of interesting calls this past week. It was a lot of fun. So, And support the WDMA. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart.